0: Thank you for listening to Simple Church, where we love God, love others, and serve our world. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our student pastor, Brandon Pruitt. What is up, SC family? How we doing? Oh, I like it. Yes, and I know you're excited, Melanie, because you got a new car and you're showing me this morning. Yeah, anyway, so I'm excited. I know Melanie is excited. I hope the rest of you are excited because this morning we are continuing our series um, through Captain of the Storm right? And, and this past couple weeks, we've been studying these names of God. The first week was Jehovah Shema, that God is there. Jehovah Shalom was the next week, God of peace, and Jehovah Rapha. Tom talked about last week, God who heals, and I've got another name for you this morning, and God's got another word for you this morning. I'm so excited to share it with you because one of the greatest privileges I get is when God reveals things to me, and, and man, I don't, this is something I don't take lightly, but that I'm so grateful that I get to be a part of, and when I get to share it with you guys. And so I'm hoping this morning what God has been teaching me, what God has been showing me would be a blessing to you this morning, um, to your life and your walk with God. But before we get into that, I have to confess something to you guys. Um, I'm becoming somewhat of a sneakerhead and for those of you who don't know what that is, it's, it's, a, it's a guy or, you know, it can be it's guys mostly because for some reason we like shoes. Um, and, and I'm becoming more and more interested in like different styles of shoes and maybe filling up my closet with shoes. And, and I, Amy's probably a little bit, if the more and more I talk about it, I don't know how she feels about it. But anyway, the reason I've kind of gotten into this is because maybe you've heard of this Instagram account that started uh, that has to do with two of my favorite things, and that's, that's swag, and, and speakers or, or sneakers and preachers. And if you've heard of this, Insta, anyone, anyone heard of this Instagram account? What? Okay, here's, I'm going to blow your mind this morning because it's blown mine. And, and I'm, basically what's happening is this guy started this account and he's showing all of his favorite pastors and then the style that they have and the shoes that they have on. And I'm like, oh man, that's Stephen Furtick. He's my boy, but look at his, look at his snakes. I got to get, oh, those are some sweet J's. I got to get me a pair of those. And so th- that's been really getting my mind testing me lately. And it's really been testing me because, some of those shoes are expensive and and I've been really thinking okay do I want those do I not want but here's the here's the deal I I wanna I want to bring you into this test this morning and just see where you guys are at so we're gonna take we're gonna take a sneaker test this morning you guys ready you guys willing to take a sneaker test let's see how how knowledgeable we are on different pairs of shoes and and what they cost and here's the thing so I'm seeing all these shoes on, on preachers and sneakers and, and it's really testing me because so like, for example, Mark was showing this one earlier, and this is one of my, one of my favorite speakers, Stephen Furtick, and I listen to him regularly. He's someone I, someone I um, go to a lot for wisdom and just truth. Um, he's got just a, he's been really gifted. But then I see him wearing things like this for $637, right? Or how about Judas Smith? This is another guy I I watch and I listen to a lot, and and I love some of the the quotes up here the real Gucci gang, Judas Smith and Chelsea Smith $980 for a pair of pants, um, $490 for for a tank top. You can get that at Target for $10. Uh, Or or TD Jakes chopping it out in some spike sock red bottoms for a whopping $1,295. Right, And th- this guy, this, this blows my mind. He's one of my favorites too, Mike Todd. Some uh, European off-white Jordans for $3,036. Right? And so at first, I was told this about this account, and you see some of the comments coming from it, and I was angry. I was mad because I'm like, who, who do these people think they are? Who is this guy who started this account and is like ripping on some of the people that I look up to and I pay attention to? right and so i was tested through that and then at the same time i'm looking at those and going man i want a pair of those and thinking about that and how you know that balance of what's going on but i'm not the only one who's being tested the creator is a guy named tyler and he's kind of staying on the dl he's kind of staying low so you know he's not actually giving out who he actually is or where he's at and and he has some pretty interesting things in some interviews that he said about you know, he started this account just for fun because, again, it was these two favorite things of his preachers and sneakers. And he started bringing them together and it got pretty intense pretty quickly. If you go look it up, they have, he has like thousands and thousands of followers. It's all over the news. You just type this in and you'll find articles and articles about this and about pastors spending too much money, or, or why are they wearing these, or this is really pointing out something. And he, he started to ask questions of like, what is okay as far as pastors wearing hype or designer clothes? And he's just saying people in church should be asking these questions. But then another thing he says is, I don't want people to show up and fuel their argument to not want to be a part of the Christian life. And it's something he's still figuring out, something that I imagine he never thought would happen. Right? Like it's his own test. Or even the pastors who are being put up on this, this site, I imagine, are being tested as well. Like there's a guy named Chad Veach, who's a pretty popular pastor, and at one point he got on and he commented defending himself. And someone commented back, and then suddenly his comment was deleted and his Instagram account was changed. And I can't imagine the thoughts going through these pastors' minds and, and this guy's account that he created mine. And, and as even for me, as I as I began looking at this, like, what is going on here? and this test that I'm facing through it, and I'm sure they are as well. But here's the problem with stuff like this, right? So these pastors and, and this guy named Tyler, they've, they've been faced with something they didn't expect, something challenging, a trial, a test, if you will. And, and many of us, we come across these tests in life, right? We come across these tests in our own lives, and we begin to view them not like a test of life, but like a test that I just gave you. Like, how much do you know? Can you pass? Will you make it through? Will, will you get a, a good enough grade? Or, or maybe if you think back to, like, high school or college, or some of you I know have, are actually just about to go into college, or maybe you've taken the SATs, and there's this thought of, like, you study and you study and you study, and, and then all of a sudden there's, there's one of two reactions at the end of it, right? Like this great satisfaction of, of affirmation of, wow, wow, I passed. I made it. Or on the other end of it, it's like I didn't do well enough. I didn't make it, and there's this great disappointment. And I'm sure many of you have been there, like myself, whether it be in high school, college, or beyond, or even, some, even at work, right? We get performance reviews, and we have to pass them. And we start to apply this same model to the tests that we face in life. We take our perspective from these tests, and we map them onto the tests that God allows in our life. And unfortunately, it's this view, this perspective of tests that has bled over into our relationship with God. I mean, if you just look at Scripture, there's, there's tests all throughout it. There's Joseph, Job, Daniel, David, Esther, Jeremiah, Paul, and even Jesus was tested. And so the issue is when we read these stories and we take the definition of test that the world has given us and we begin to map it onto the test that God allows, right? Take this story from Genesis 22. Check this out. This is Abraham. And it says, This is the beginning of Genesis 22. It says, Sometime later, God what? Tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Hey, Abraham, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. I don't know about you guys, but that's pretty harsh. It's like, what? What are you asking, God? And before this point, if you'd know this story at all, God had promised Abraham a son. He had promised him this son that would, he would have, that the, the nations would be made great through him, and, and his, he would be blessed, and that was a big deal to people back in these times. And so this promise had been given to him, and he went through a lot, and we're going to get a little bit more into that later, but he went through a lot, and all of a sudden now he's being asked to sacrifice that blessing, to sacrifice that promise. And if, if you're tracking with me, I mean, a son, right? Like, that's what? And so it's like this idea of God comes in, he's like, well, pop quiz. Pop quiz, Abraham. And I've always struggled with this story. Not only does it go against God's character, because there's other places in Scripture where God actually says he detests child sacrifice, but it seems totally unfair, right? Like, how could he ask him to do that? How could God ask Abraham to do something like that? So I begin to put myself in Abraham's sneakers or his sandals and apply this line of thinking the world has taught me. And, and, you know, some of the questions I begin to ask are like, wait, what? What, God? Like, you want me to do what? That wasn't your promise. I wasn't prepared for this. This isn't right. That's not fair. And, And I think back to like, you know, when I was in college and I was given a test by this professor and I was set up to fail. And I'm like, this is so unfair. This teacher is totally unfair And begin to apply that to God and go, you are so unfair, God. How could you ask me to do that? I wasn't set up for this. I wasn't prepared for this. That isn't what you put me or promised me. And we begin to map on that idea of testing. Right? And and I've found that as I've processed through this, I've even been wired to respond in a couple different ways. And maybe you guys can relate with this. You begin to work harder to pass it. Right? You begin to study begin to look into things on like, how can I make sure that I'm gonna come out this right? I'm gonna Google everything, right? And make sure I have all the information and I know exactly, or, or if you go into a test, you're gonna study as hard as you can. Maybe you're staying up late and studying through it. So I'm gonna work harder and pass this thing in my life. I'm gonna work and work and work and work until I can get it right. Or, or maybe it's just, I'm gonna get through it. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I just have to, to n- white knuckle it and get through this. Or I'm just gonna ignore it. Uh, this is too hard, this is too difficult. And so I'm just going to leave it alone and ignore it, or I'm just going to give up. And those become our responses because of the way we've been cultured by our world when it comes to testing. And so maybe for you, it's not the sacrificing of your son or the price of sneakers, but it it could be something like drama with your family or friends. Maybe it's hard to be around your family at holidays. Maybe it's, maybe it's hard. Maybe a family member's not talking to you because of some ridiculous thing going on. Or maybe some friends at school misinterpreted something and they've begun to backstab and there's this drama going on, right? Or, or maybe, maybe it's something like a difficult boss or a coach or a teacher that is just totally unfair. It's to, they're totally like totalitarian and just like over you and won't listen to you and they're just a boss right, or, or a teacher that doesn't listen, or a coach that doesn't listen, and they just, they seem like they don't get you or pay attention to you, or maybe it's even something like a death or a sickness of a family member, this thing's going on in life, a loss of a job or finances, struggles in your relationship with a girlfriend, boyfriend, or, or maybe even your wife or husband, and it's like, why am I having to deal with this? Why would God allow something like this in my life? If God, if you are good, and, I'm, and, and for some of, some of you, you may even have told yourself, like, God, I, I'm doing all the things. I'm praying. I'm listening to you. I'm trying to read the Bible, whatever that may be. And why are you allowing this into my life? And maybe it's something I I'm not creative enough to think of. But as I've studied through this idea of testing these past couple weeks, God has completely wrecked my definition of it. And has brought me to a place of being able to understand what Jesus' his brother, James, means when he talks about it. Here's what he says. He says, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. He goes on in verse in, uh, 12. Blessed is the one who endures trials Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And so there's one thing that I'm fairly sure of this morning, okay? Is that 100% of us in this room have been tested, have gone through testing, and some of us are even in it right now. And for some of us, these tests have damaged or even destroyed our confidence in ourselves or God. Or even God. And my hope and prayer this morning is through what God has been showing me, is that you might, gui- might gain that confidence back or even discover it for the first time. And so as I've studied through this story on Abraham's test, and it's like I've struggled through it, you guys. Like this has been one of those stories that I've always struggled with. Like why would God ask Abraham to do that? I found three ways that he responds differently, that is so different than the way we respond normally to tests that we can adapt to our own lives and begin expecting the confidence and in, in experiencing the confidence that God provides. And so just a quick summary. where we're Again, where we're going to be at is Genesis 22, and we're going to keep going through this story. And so if you want, I would encourage you to open that in your Bibles or pull it up on your phone. But just a quick summary of where we're at so far, where he is, is Abraham has been promised that his name and family will be made great so that all the families of the earth will be blessed through him. And so, but Abraham leading up to this all throughout Genesis from 12 on up to where we're at, he, he kind of makes some not so great choices. He betrays his wife twice and says, no, that's my sister, because he's afraid that someone's going to look at her and go, oh, man, she's, she's beautiful. And, and he's like, he doesn't want to deal with that or put himself in front of that. Now, ladies in the room, um, if your husband or the person that, that you cherish <laughs> said that about you, it's like, no, I'm not going to claim you. You know, that might get me in trouble. How would that make you feel? Right, like, And so he betrays his wife, or even we go on and he wants this promise so bad, this promise that God has given him, that him and Sarah actually use and abuse, that's his wife Sarah, use and abuse their their servant and try to have a son through her because the promise isn't coming quick enough. And so Abraham makes some questionable choices coming up to this, coming up to where we're at. And he struggles back and forth with their confidence and the promise that God gave them. He doesn't trust them through it. And this is where we pick up in Genesis 22. And so we just read that, that God said, I'm going to test you. He tested Abraham's faith. And in 22:3 3 through 4, this is Abraham's response to what God has asked him to do. It says, the next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Okay. It's so easy to just read over this and go, okay, that's what he did, right? But you read this, and go ahead and leave this on the screen, Mark. is he gets up early, he's asked to do this, and he doesn't even question it. Right? Like he gets up early. He prepares what he needs for it of what he knows how to do. It's like, okay, God's asked me to do a sacrifice, and so I'm going to prepare the wood. I'm going to get what I need, and we're going to head out. And I don't know if you catch this, but it says on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So not only did he get up early in the morning, prepare what he needed, but he was ready to walk three days to do what God had asked him to do. And the key in this, the response in this that I see Abraham doing is, is he doesn't question God. He doesn't, he doesn't doubt God. He just goes, okay, this is the test before me. This is the, the trial before me, and I, I'm just going to do what I know to do. I'm going to do what God has prepared me to do. And so here's the first point I want to make is God's tests aren't worked for. They are walked through. God's tests aren't worked for. They are, wa- they are walked through. Because like I said, we get to these tests and we, these trials, right? And in a world of Google and WebMD and, and all these things, we, we face trials in our life and we begin to go, okay, what is everything I can do to look up? I mean, okay. Think of it this way. Who in here knows those people that that when they get like a disease or, or like an ailment, they get on WebMD and they have to look up every symptom and they have to find out if they're going to be okay. Any, anybody with me in here? Yeah, that okay, maybe I'm the only one, but a couple of us. So I still remember when I was in Wisconsin one year and, and we were at this fair and this I got this sting on my arm and it started to swell up and I started to freak out and for the next hour and a half, I was Googling everything on WebMD to make sure that I was going to be okay, and I found out what I basically already knew that I wasn't going to die. Um, and, and I was fine, but it wasted all this time that I had with my family at this fair. And unfortunately, a lot of times we get so caught up, and I've got, to, I've got to work for it. I've got to study for it. I've got to make sure I know every little piece of information so that I can pass this thing in front of me. And God's tests aren't like that. God's tests aren't, aren't to be worked for. They're just to be walked through. He's given us what we need to walk through them. And that's Abraham's response to this, and he has faith in that. He goes, okay, God's asked me to do this, and I'm just gonna do what I know to do. And so that's the first pointers. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says this, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And that word temptation there is actually the same word that's used for Test. And so when you are tested, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. God is not expecting you. Please don't miss this. God is not expecting you to work, study, research, and discover some hidden knowledge so you can make it through what you're going through. He simply expects you to keep moving forward with what you've been given and have faith that he'll provide the rest. And so we move on. Genesis 22:5 5 through 8. It says, Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants, the boy and I will travel a little further, we will worship there, and then we'll come right back. So Abraham placed the wood um, for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac returned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, we, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered in this way, and, and they both walked on together. And so again, this is, this is a response, right? Like, something I've noticed about when we, when we have these tests in life that we feel are unfair, that we don't expect, there's this response to it that's like, we begin to tell everyone around us one of two things. We, we either hide it, like, like we're afraid to ruin God's reputation. Because it's like, why would he allow me to go through this? Or we begin back talking or saying things like, that's unfair. I can't believe he's putting me through this. I don't understand. God must not, must not be the God who he says he is. Like, how could he allow this in my life? And we begin saying all these things about him, or, or even some of the tests that we were already talking about with a teacher or coach or whatever. You begin talking about them, or, or you just hide it, right? But Abraham does something completely different here. Like, these servants that he's leaving, he says, okay, we'll be back. We'll be back. And I don't know if this is, if you read that and it hits you in the same way it does me, but it's like he's confident that he's gonna come back with Isaac. He's gonna come back with him. Or or when Isaac actually asks him, like, hey, where's the rest of this? He's like, God's gonna provide Isaac. And he talks about this faith in God and doesn't hide it, doesn't belittle it, but just talks about in what he knows. Of God right. And so here's my second point of the test that God gives us is God's tests aren't taken, or, or in a better way, they're not taken alone, but they are talked about. They're not taken. They're not to, to be taken. I, I think about the tests we go in and take, and if you guys have ever, has anyone ever done like those folders that you kind of put around your test, or maybe you hide and you're like, don't cheat off of me. You know, and, and we, we, we take it alone or we try to hide it from everybody, but God's tests are so much different than that. They're not to be taken, taken alone, but talked about, talked about together with others, talked about with others and to others about what's going on in our lives. Because here's what, here's what happens. A lot of times, we have those two responses, but we need to talk about these things that we're going through and claim the promises of God, even when we are unsure of how they'll work out. Because God isn't expecting you to take whatever test you are in on your own, but to instead share it with others, to talk about it. And through that, you never know what God's going to do. Someone else could be going through the same thing, or it could, it could encourage somebody. I don't, I don't know, but God wants us to talk about these things and not just hide them or take them alone. But as you continue through the story, Abraham continues with all of this, and, and he goes on through, and, and you walk through the story, and he goes up on the mountain, he prepares everything, he puts Isaac down on the, on the wood, and, and he's about to offer him, and we come to this verse. He gets the knife, and he's about to take it up and kill Isaac, and then the angel of the Lord stops him and tells him not to lay a hand on him. And most of us in this point would be like, really, God? Okay, seriously, you made me go through all this, and then you're just going to stop? But then this is what he says. This is Abraham's response. He named the place Yahweh Hireh, which is also another way of, of wording it, is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And so this is what, this is what I realized in this. Abraham doesn't get caught up in thinking it was he who did it. It wasn't some test he passed. He doesn't get mad at God and make, for making him go through it and go, Really, God? Like, why, why would you put me through that? And instead, he recognizes that God is good and provides on his promises. He recognizes this by claiming this name, Jehovah Jareh. The Lord will provide. And that's a tieback even to what we just said. He said to Isaac, God will provide. God will provide, and then God provided this ram in the bushes, and that was the offering that they could they could provide. And in Genesis 15, this 15, this is the response from God to Abraham. It says, then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from him. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. And I've always read this portion. You get to the end, and it's like, he did it. He passed it, right? Like, he, he did the right thing, and, and he was blessed because of it. But as I've read over this over and over again, and really thought about it, that, that doesn't make sense. Right, Because Abraham's response to the whole thing doesn't match up with that. Like, if, if he passed it, you think Abraham would be like, Oh, okay, Oof. I'm through it. Okay, I did it. Wow, thanks God. Okay, I made it. That was all me. I'm glad I did the right thing. Right? But his response isn't that. He doesn't respond in that way. He responds by saying, Jehovah Jireh, the God will provide. And see, up until this point, Abraham was willing to do most anything short of murder to gain the promise God had promised him. Remember, he betrayed his wife? Like, what the heck? And they used and abused their slave. Like, oh my gosh, Like this battle back and forth between the confidence of the promises God had offered him. But then it gets to this point where God it says God tested Abraham's faith, but this testing was not for God. It was not to prove to God that Abraham could pass it, but to show Abraham who he really was and the confidence that he had in God. And this takes me to my third and final point, is that God's tests aren't meant to be passed. They're meant to prove. They're meant to prove who we are and the nature and the character of what we are, and and, and Paul talks about this in Hebrews eleven nineteen 19 this way. He, he talks about Abraham's faith. And he says, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Abraham, from this moment, was able to walk away knowing who he was in God, proven to be a man of God rather than just of the promise he was given. And so here's the deal. We don't pass the test God allows in our lives. They prove who we are. They prove our confidence. And the question that God, I think, p- p- puts in front of us, in front of these tests, when we're faced with these trials is, do you trust, don't miss this, do you trust the provision or do you trust the provider? Do you trust the provision or do you trust the provider? Because that's something that, that, Abraham was struggling with, this promise that he was given, this provision that, that was placed in front of him. And God was like, I want to prove to you who you are in me and in my name and what that really is. And I can't imagine Abraham walked away from that with an amazing confidence that he didn't have before, wasn't sure of in the beginning because of everything that had happened in his past. And, and here's, and so again, here's the new response to the test that we are facing in life, is we stop working for the test. We stop working for them and we simply walk through them. We stop taking the test on our own and talk about it with others. We stop trying to figure out how to pass the test and let it play out and prove to us who we are. And it's studies like this when I, when I read through Scripture this way and I begin to realize just how deep the metaphors of God truly go. Because see the word, this, this is so cool, you guys. The word being used here in the Greek and Hebrew has a very different meaning than we usually recognize it as. Again, we think of this word test and immediately our brain goes to what we've experienced through high school and college and all of that. But this is what it really means. For example, in James 1, the Greek word used is is this, is dokimos. It means approved or tested. You're like, Brandon, how is that different? Well, here, let me explain to you. I did a study on this a while ago for another message. And this word being used is brought up in Scripture a lot, right, about the, like metals and being melted down or being tested. And as you look into the way that metals are tested, they, they have to like go through the fire and then, they, and then something happens inside them and they become stronger. But the only way to test like how strong they really are is they have to hit it right? Like, they have to hit it and see if it'll be broken. Because if you hit, like, aluminum or steel that hasn't been fired correctly, it'll, like, start to bend. But steel that has correctly been fired and been tested, it's been tested to see if it's actually steel. If it is what it claims to be, it's been tested. And then when you go to test it, it proves it, right? So, like, again, maybe you're struggling with drama with your family or friends. Maybe you're dealing with sickness in your family. Maybe you're dealing with a bad coach, a boss, or or a teacher. Or maybe you're dealing with whatever else I can't even think of is creative enough but for me where this became real for me is when God gave me a test with my own daughter right okay <laughs> and and some of you've heard this story before but I, I oh my gosh is there was a point where my daughter was, was with a friend and, and they were eating these apples and I started laughing and she began to choke and it got stuck in her throat and I looked at my wife and was like, we got to go to the hospital. And we go to the hospital, and, and we, we're waiting, and Finley's like, hey, hey. that's my daughter Finley. And she's like breathing weird, and we get there, and the doctor looks at me and basically says, if this shifts, this could get really bad. And my heart sunk in that moment. And I began to have thoughts. God, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to me? Why is Finley going through this? I, I follow you. Like, what the heck? Is my daughter going to die? What's going to happen? And we go in the hospital. We go in the ambulance. We rush to the hospital. And, and again, we go in the back. And the doctor, like, takes her in the back room. And I'm having to walk with her. And, and then she has to put this stupid needle in. And she, the doctor can't get it in right. And she starts bawling. And I'm freaking out. And I'm like, okay, God, just get her through this. Please let her get through this. And then she has to walk off with the doctor alone. She won't let me, like walk with her. The doctor won't let me go with her. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm her dad and, and all this. And then finally I get out and I'm sitting in the lobby my friends are texting me and they're there for me. But I begin to ask this question. I'm like, God, what the heck is going on? Why are you allowing this to happen? And I look up and I go, God, I'm mad. I'm angry. I don't get it. But I know you're good. and I love you. I don't understand. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know you're a God. I can trust him. And then after that, fortunately, the doctors came out with my daughter, and I'm like, yeah, she's alive. And and they had this bewildered look on their face, and they go, nothing was there. And to me, that was a miracle. But here's the thing. A lot of times we can focus on the miracle, right, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But what I got more out of that is I look back on that now, and I go, I have faith in God, and it was proven. I am strong in my God, and I can look back at that and go, no matter what happens in my life, God is good, and I have faith in that, and I've been proven. And again, it's not not about I passed the test. God gave that to me or allowed that in my life so I could walk away with a confidence that only he can provide through it. And so here's the deal that I, that I want you to get this morning is don't look at your tests or the things that are allowing God in your life as something that has to be worked for, as something that has to be, has to be taken alone, as something that has to be passed, but as something that you get to walk through, as something that, that you get to share with others, and as something that you get to walk away with, with being proven to be, that can't be taken away from you. And here's the crazy thing, is this is the very thing that Jesus went through, right? Like, so if, you've, if you know the Lord's prayer at all, in Matthew 6, he talks about, you know, don't, don't let us yield to temptation. Well, that word right there is that same word, test. And he's saying, but if we do, you will show us so, you know, help us out of it. And again, Jesus deals with this in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke 22 as he's praying to God and it says he prayed fervently and he said, Lord, if it is your will, take this cup of suffering away from me but your will, not mine. And then what happened is he went through suffering, right? Jesus was tested. He was sent up to the cross and, and went through torture and he died and what happened after that is he was proven to be exactly who he said he was and it not only gave him that, but us a hope that can't be broken, but there had to be a test for it. And so again, I want to encourage you that the tests and trials that you've been, that you've faced, that you may be in the middle of, or that you are going to face, if you can have this perspective that they are something to be walked through, something to be talked about, and something that is in the end going to prove you, prove to you who you are, and prove to you a strength that you couldn't have gotten on your own, oh man, what confidence you're gonna come away with. And that's a confidence that can't be broken, and it's a confidence that only God can provide. Let's pray, and then we'll talk more about it. God, I come to you this morning just to thank you again for your word, your truth. (sighs) I always struggle with with taking the truths and and the 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 amazing things that you show me and sharing it with others and God I just pray I pray where where my in you know my inabilities and all of that may have fallen short or or may have gone well I doesn't I just pray that that who needs this this morning they hear it God they hear it that your tests aren't to to burden us aren't to to put us in a place of fear and keep us from passing or all this or performance or whatever, but that they're they're there to actually give us something and provide us with something, provide us with a confidence that only you can provide, God. And I pray for whoever needs that this morning that they may have heard it, they have understood it, and they will be encouraged by it as they continue to face trials and testing in their life. I know it has blessed me, and I pray it would be a blessing to my family here. And so just thank you again for the privilege to be up here and share your word, share your truth. Um, I love you, God, and I lift up our time now as we talk further about it to you. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you're new or want to know more about our church family, please visit us online at simple.church or by downloading our Simple.Church app.